It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. State of emergency in place in Ottawa, where the police chief says COVID protests are a quote nationwide insurrection driven by madness. Thousands of Canadians, you see the pictures there, protesting vaccine mandates. It started with a so called freedom convoy led by truckers protesting a new mandate requiring vaccines in order to enter the country. CNN's Paula Newton live for us now in Ottawa with the latest remarkable protest, Paula. Absolutely remarkable. I mean, just think of the language. I know it sounds familiar to you, right? A threat to democracy, an insurrection, sedition. I want to be clear, things have quieted down a bit, but that does not take away from the basic truck-in, right? The sit-in that's going in right in front of the national parliament. And as you said, this started as the freedom convoy. It rolled right from the west to here in the east, spread on the weekend to several cities and towns. Things have quieted, quieted down substantially. And yet what lingers are very persistent protesters here saying that, look, it's not just about a vaccine mandate and being able to cross the border in your truck. No, it's about all of it. The mask mandate, the restrictions, everything. They want it all gone. And here, as in the United States, right, the United States, it's up to states. Here, it's up to the provinces. The Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, remains in isolation at an undisclosed location. He and his children had COVID. Uh, and he's saying, look, this isn't uh, about me or the federal government. He calls these a fringe minority. Uh, John, I also want to point Sitting senators, sitting at least one sitting governor, are supporting these people from the United States. The police chief has a message for them. Don't. The, you are supporting unlawful behavior. All right, Sandy Rios with you. Good morning. So the truckers are, uh, you know, still fighting in Ottawa. They're not fighting literally. They're in their trucks. Uh, citizens are bringing them, you know, uh, food and water. Uh, but the police and the government is cracking down big time on them. Uh, the CNN finally covered it. That was a CNN report. They have not even mentioned it. It's so it's been, and the people of Canada don't really know what the real story is, uh, because BBC is or CNC Canadian Broadcasting CBC is really not telling the the story. And if they do at all, of course you can imagine the slant they put on it. There's just one outlet for news there. That's why Rebel News is so important up there. All right, so they're calling it a sedition and a threat to democracy. And as a matter of fact, they've sent more police in. They're using intelligence officers. Uh, they're issuing fines for, you know, uh, minor infractions. They're, uh, I'll just give you an idea of some of the things they're doing. They've arrested seven people, and they're threatening charges for people bringing in fuel and food as though that were illegal. Uh, they're calling it a state, uh, they issued a state of emergency. I see all kinds of pictures people are sending me. Um, here's, a, here's a sign. Let's be clear. We're taking our freedom back. And that's what most of the trucks say. One says, let's go Brandu, <laughs> the French version of Brandon, which is kind of funny. There are Trump signs flying because, you know, it's kind of like, reminds me of 
Tiananmen Square when they waved the American flag before they were plowed down and murdered, you know, or they had uh, a statue, a copy of the Statue of Liberty. Um, And it's kind of inspiring when people fight for freedom, just like the Canadian truckers are inspiring us because they're fighting for freedom. Here's one sign, I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees. And of course, it's not just that, it's not just travel, it's not as though that's not enough. Uh, They're going to force the truckers to be um, vaccinated, but it's not just about them. They've made that clear. Uh, It's also about like the two stories I told you yesterday about people losing their children, losing custody because they're not vaccinated. It's gotten bizarre, and the government is getting more and more authoritarian. There have been 60 criminal investigations related to the demonstrations. Uh, They're calling it a siege, and so they're cracking down and punishing the truckers and, of course, calling them uh, separatists, which is the Canadian version of calling them um, uh, insurrectionists. So a judge now has banned honking from truckers in downtown Ottawa, and I saw one um, video of... The Ottawa police, two Ottawa policemen coming after a little bitty man. He's like 80 years old, and he was honking his horn. And, of course, he's feisty. He's fighting them, but he's a little, he's a little bit of nothing. I don't even know. I mean, he looked like he—I I couldn't tell the policeman was towering over him, but he was tiny and slender, so couldn't have done too much damage. But he had a mouth on him, that's for sure. But they really treated him badly and ended up, you know, manhandling him and arresting him because he was honking his— Horn. That's terrible, you know. And so um, so the truckers, as I understand it, I was watching, they said that they have, uh, they limited their, they stopped honking like at 8 o'clock at, at night, and they were honking, I think, once an hour, something like that. So they were trying to regulate their honking, and that's their way of letting their voices be heard. But they want all the mandates to end. They just want freedom, and many of them are not asking that there not be vaccines, uh, they, but they think it should be a choice, and some of them are vaccinated. Uh, now, this is really interesting because the police chief of Ottawa uh, was uh, on a Zoom call, and uh, this someone captured this. This just shows you how draconian they feel they're free to be. This is uh, clip five. We have, through the efforts of Deputy Bell, Christiane Hinault, uh, the mayor and his staff have been able to shut down the GoFunding program. That's a temporary reprieve because the funds are already moving in different directions. We are now going after supply and, and fuel coming into the area through investigations and intelligence operations and interdictions, all of which are, were underway yesterday, fully underway today. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 are bragging that they stopped the uh, the GoFundMe page. And, of course, GoFundMe is in trouble. They took in $10 million, and then uh, basically, I know this is an overstatement, and I will explain. They basically confiscated it, even though they say they didn't. Uh, They say they're going to return the money. At first, they said they would give it out to charities that uh, truckers would support, something to that effect. And so many states' attorneys general here in this country said, man, we're going after GoFundMe. If they're going to do that, we're going after them. And so... um, that's being sorted out right now. As a matter of fact, then Canada, I've forgotten which official, is now threatening any American uh, that supports the truckers through Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go is now the site, and I actually had that link, and now I can't find it. But it's Give, Send, Go. Uh, we'll find that. Adam, if you could uh, go on a search real quick and see if you can find that Give, Send, Go. Uh, listen, I'm going to donate. <laughs> you bet I am. They're going to threaten us that we can't help the truckers. We we don't live there. We're not subject to their 
uh, their um, authoritarian rule, and I think we should give to these people. They, you know, that money was supposed to go to them. They're on their own dime. These are not wealthy people. Who is going to pay for the gasoline and for their food and their, their children while they're, you know, protesting on behalf of the citizens of Canada? Who's going to do that? All right, so... Um, all right, so uh, let's see. I wanted a couple of other things. Oh, so the mayor of Ottawa was pretty upset about the behavior of the uh, uh, demonstrators in the convoy. Uh, and this is what he had to say. This is clip three. It's disturbing when you see the, the protests turning into what looks like some kind of a fun carnival where they've got bouncy castles and hot tubs and saunas. A complete uh, insult to the people who are putting up with this nonsense for the last seven days. And it shows a great deal of ins- insensitivity. So they have bouncy castles, and it looks like a fair. That's that's just very insensitivity. So I guess they're going to be be arrested for insensitivity. It sounds like it's kind of devolving to that. It's this touchy feely leftist claptrap that's just amazing to me. So now, <laughs> excuse me, uh, there are there's certainly a pushback of the Canada's premier Justin Trudeau says anyone attempting to bring material support, gas, etc., to the demonstrators could be subject to arrest. Enforcement is underway. However, the Canadian Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is pushing back, citing the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, and let me I can't belabor this, but let me just say that's good for sure. But what we know about the Canadian Charter of Freedom is that it's very weak. It's not unlike the uh, Bill of Rights for, the, for Americans, which is based on natural rights given by God. Uh, the Canadian Charter of Freedoms is based on government. And uh, it actually acknowledges the, the power of, um, the Canadi- of Canadian government to possess those rights and to give you those rights within reasonable limits. And so they don't have the same protections that we do. I've heard that for a long time. Uh, certainly on the LGBT issue, we've watched them cave, um, cave and cave and cave. But they don't have a good, strong document to support uh, their fight. Uh, nevertheless, um, uh, the uh, Canadian Justice Center is fighting back, and we're really glad to hear that. The Go- Give, Sin, Go um, address is this. It's uh, givesingo.com and slash Freedom Convoy 2022. Freedom Convoy 2022. Freedom Convoy 2022. I want to share a couple things with you. Trudeau has surfaced. He finally, um, we found him. He showed up in Parliament, and uh, this is what he had to say, clip eight. We're here to do our job as government, as parliamentarians, because our democracy is working. Just a short time ago, we had an election in this country where we asked Canadians how they wanted to keep fighting this pandemic. And their answer was clear. Canadians chose vaccines. They chose science. They chose to protect one another. Because Canadians know that's how we get back to the things we love. Yeah, so they chose me. Because like, uh, like um, let's see, Anthony Fauci, I think uh, Justin Trudeau thinks he represents science. Really, it's more complicated than that. Uh, he is really good. If you watch that whole speech, he is so persuasive. You can understand why he's been uh, elected. He's smooth. And you have to pick his words apart. You have to think deeply before you can understand the fault, the fault lines within his logic. And basically, you know, he is a totalitarian. He was raised that way. I want to just uh, share with you this incredible 
story. I'll try to get as much in as I can in this next few minutes before we have to take a break. This was uh, uh, printed by Breitbart just yesterday, and I didn't have a chance to... Well, actually, when I printed it out, the the ink ran out. So I'm reading it to you today because it's titled, Red-Handed, Obviously, My Family Has Historical Ties with China, How Beijing Bought Off the Trudeaus. And this comes from uh, the new bestseller by Peter Schweitzer, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get, Get Rich Helping China. Uh, So Justin Trudeau has followed in the footsteps of his father, Pierre. We've said a little bit about that. Pierre's father and his mother were extremely to the left. The mother was a real hippie radical, um, and I don't have time to belabor that. But his past is not like a conservative family home. This book of Peter Schweitzer's documents decades of both ideological and financial ties between Beijing and the Trudeaus, beginning with the elder Trudeau visiting China in 1960 and meeting Mao Zedong, and among other communist leaders. And he was, of course, the uh, person that led them into the revolution. And in 1960, China was just horrific, shut off from the world. It's amazing that a Western leader actually went there. Back to the script here in Breitbart. Rather than being, being appalled by the Great Leap Forward, which was ongoing at the time, Trudeau and travel pal Jacques Herbert left the country enamored by communism enough to write a propaganda book called Two Innocents in Red China. The Great Leap Forward killed as many as 45 million people and has been described by the Washington Post as the biggest mass murder in the history of the world, and yet it remained conspicuously absent in the narrative written by uh, Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre, called Two Innocents. The book describes Mao as a superb strategist and proclaims it is these red-scarfed kids who in 20 years will be the new men of the country, which at that time will have a billion inhabitants. In an interesting coincidence, uh, so Peter Schweitzer traces the financial ties, and I don't have time to belabor it. Let's just say that Trudeau made a lot of money uh, working in China through the Power Corporation. And when he left his uh, job in Canada, he actually went to work for them, making tons of money as a consultant and bringing business to Canada. And so um, there's so many things. Uh, Trudeau also faced a barrage of criticism, criticism for deepening, depending on China, for pivotal infectious disease supplies at the height of the first wave of the China's Chinese coronavirus pandemic. Trudeau's government chose Chinese companies over Canadian ones to purchase masks, gloves, and other personal protective equipment. Outraging much of the population, Canada had to scramble to replenish its supplies of this equipment, buying it from China because Trudeau had given away much of it as foreign aid to China. That's just a tiny little bit of the icing. We'll put that on our Getter account so you can read it. Stay tuned. Something great next. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Ann Milgram, Administrator of the Drug Enforcement Administration. She works to combat drug trafficking and distribution in the United States. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20 reminds us of the importance of avoiding dangerous substances. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Ann Milgram as she fights drug trafficking in our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. When deciding where to pursue your career goals, you want a university that you can trust, that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. Liberty is celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. So we need to talk about Joe Rogan. He's the number one podcaster in the nation, also the cancel culture mob's enemy number one. The White House, along with most of the entertainment industry, wants Spotify to deplatform Rogan, angry over his conversations about the China virus, furious because he's providing space for medical experts who disagree with Dr. Anthony Fauci, the patron saint of Wuhan. Now, over the weekend, the cancel culture mob unearthed evidence that Rogan had used racially charged language in some of his archived podcasts. And now even those who once defended the podcaster are calling for him to be canceled. So Rogan did the worst thing possible. He apologized. Now, was the language offensive? No doubt about it. But Joe Rogan is not a racist. The cancel culture doesn't want his apology. They want to literally destroy and eradicate any opinion they find offensive. So stop apologizing, Joe, if you take a knee to the jihadist. They'll chop your head off. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. We're going to come back to the Justin Trudeau story in just a second because I had to rush through that too much. And there's just incredible information in that Peter Schweitzer book about the connection between Justin Trudeau, his father, uh, and the Communist Party of China. It's really shocking, and it kind of gives uh, kind of gives understanding because he comes from a completely different mindset. He has no qualms about treating his people like subjects and uh, causing them harm and hurting them. If the pattern is Mao Zedong, then look out for China, for Canada. All right, so something good, really, really good, happened last night, and it happened um, well later in the day. And it is the fact that the Attorney General for Arizona has issued a landmark legal opinion ruling. And I asked Ken Cuccinelli to join us this morning. He's a senior fellow for the Center for Renewing America. Of course, a great friend, a former candidate for governor of Virginia, former AG of Virginia, who has done some great stuff, uh, worked with Customs and Border Patrol in the Trump administration. And uh, he joins us unexpectedly this morning. Ken, thanks for joining me last minute. We appreciate it so much. Well, it's always good to be with you, Sandy. Well, thank you, Ken. All right, now listen, this is good news. So explain to us what Mark Brunovich did and why it is such good news. So uh, Representative Jake Hoffman asked of Arizona, asked for a legal opinion, as he is allowed to do in Arizona, 
last October on uh, the situation at the border. And uh, Attorney General Brnovich answered that the set of questions posed to him yesterday in a formal legal opinion, which is the highest legal authority of the state government of Arizona. And in that opinion, he had three basic conclusions that are all landmark and historic. First, the situation at the border uh, of Arizona and Mexico right now is, as the Constitution would use the term, an invasion. And second, that under the Guarantee Clause of the Constitution, Article 4, Section 4, the federal government has an obligation to defend Arizona against invasion, and they have failed in that obligation. And third, in light of that situation, that under Article 1, Section 10, which Attorney General Brnovich referred to as the State Self-Defense Clause, the very end of Section 10 there, Paragraph 3, um, Arizona can use its war powers to defend itself at the border. It can repel those crossing illegally between legal ports of entry back into Mexico. And wow. all three of those conclusions are first-time-in-American-history conclusions. Now, if you read the parts of the Constitution he refers to, um, the language is pretty straightforward. And once you've decided there's an invasion and the federal government isn't doing anything about it, and, then, and in fact, you don't actually need the federal government to fail to do anything about it if you're the governor of a state, border state being invaded. Uh, that the state does have the right, just like you and I do as individuals, to defend itself. And uh, this self-defense <clears throat> self provision uh, has always been in the Constitution. The founders foresaw problems at the borders uh, of a variety of natures. And uh, Attorney General Brnovich's 25-page opinion walks through a lot of that history very effectively, very clearly. It's actually good historical reading in addition to being an outstanding legal opinion. You know, Ken, let me just say, uh, I've said this publicly before, but I want to say say it again. One, one of your gifts, seriously, is to find a unique approach to a problem, but it's not so unique that it doesn't work. It's very effective. It's, it's always constitutional. And so when you give a shout-out to something like this, I know it has uh, it has legs, and uh, so that's good. And I and I want to also ask: well, Would you not? Could I could you, I comment on that part? Yes, you can. I mean, you you you're making that Sandy a, a really good operational point. This needs to work, right? So mm -hmm. so the question is: Well, if you're a governor and and Attorney General Brnovich was very clear, the only authority in Arizona that can utilize this constitutional source of authority is the governor the commander-in-chief of Arizona, and he was very emphatic in the last couple of pages of his opinion. Um, seemed like he didn't want, you know, local law enforcement to go rogue or anything and do things on their own, perhaps. But he's absolutely right. This is a commander-in-chief power as sits with the governor of Arizona, Governor Ducey, who in his State of the State address was very aggressive, very bellicose about the things he was going to do to protect the border. Well, now the attorney general of Arizona, Mark Brnovich, has made clear he has all the authority to do virtually anything between the ports of entry to turn people back. And we did this at DHS. Under public health law with COVID, the CDC issued a 
border order, you and I actually talked about it on the radio once or twice, yep. that had us turning people back. Over 85% of illegal border crossers from about March of 2020 to the end of the Trump administration were turned around in under two hours. Under two hours. They were never brought into facilities. 85 to 90%. And all we did was catch them out in between the ports of entry. Um, we sort of um, cataloged who we had, which is all I would suggest the states do. They have the technology already to just thumbprint people, take their picture, and take them back to the border, give them a bag of food and water, and say, go home. And, um, and that's it. No new facilities, no complicated programs. Um, just very simple. The KISS principle, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Um, this is doable to your point about, you know, making it happen. That's all that has to happen. Yeah. And the people who want to overcomplicate it are trying to overcomplicate it to avoid the responsibility for actually protecting that border. All right. Any, any thought about what Governor Ducey will do with this? Well, you know, I referred to his state of the state remarks and they were very aggressive, but he hasn't done this up to now. And really the question now turns from Attorney General Brnovich's excellent opinion the logical question is, well, Governor, what are you going to do? Are you actually going to protect the border like you've said um, now that it's clear you have the constitutional authority to do that and you don't need Congress's permission? You don't need the president's permission. You can just do it. And um, that's that's kind of the question for today, Sandy. And we will see what he does. And, and of course, the question equally gets lobbed over into Texas. You know, yes, we sort exactly. of skip New Mexico and California because we don't mm -hmm. expect those governors to do anything. But, you know, Texas has made a big show since last March of doing lots more things, lots of activity down there at the border, but they haven't slowed the numbers a bit until you're actually putting people back into Mexico and stopping them from entering the country. The numbers will not go down. They won't go down. And Texas has actually proved that with all the efforts they've made in the last 10, 11 months without changing the numbers a lick. Wow. That's, that's not good news. You know, I would, let me throw you a curve. I don't want to throw you a curve, but I would like to know, do you know anything about that bill in New Mexico that's being fast-tracked? That's a big, The election a bill? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I do. Thought, We're, go ahead. Yeah, so I'll, I'll switch hats here from my yes. Center for Renewing America hat. Uh, to my election transparency initiative hat, uh, okay. uh, there is a bill in the in the Senate in New Mexico that includes uh, a variety of bad provisions, and um, you know, so w on our grassroots arm and the Susan B. Anthony List and American Principles Project that formed election transparency initiative, and I know other groups as well are communicating with their members to in turn call their state senators. In New Mexico, whether you have a Republican or Democrat state senator, that you know, just call yours and tell them you you don't want to see this bill pass. That it's an egregious kicking open the doors on uh, the potential for fraud and the lack of transparency in the election. Yes, and of course, the, the problem I think too on the border, Ken, I'm guessing, is uh, people that are not legal voting, and so that's uh, probably part of this. And I want to just mention something specific before we say goodbye to you. We have a campaign by, with the Align Act. Uh, Line Act is a new uh, format. I've mentioned it to all of you before. They are friends. Uh, they will not keep your information yep. and sell it and all of that. And so if you go to AlignAct.com, 
and look for uh, this New Mexico law. It's too, um, it's too dangerous for Congress and worse for New Mexico is the, the subtitle of that. We'll put it on our Getter account so that you can weigh in. This is a good way for you to contact your congressman and ask them to vote against, to stop, to not support the SB8 voter bill. All right, so, um, Ken, thanks. I Listen, I really do appreciate you joining us. We know that we have a serious problem at that border, and um, it's causing crime. I saw an article this morning by John Solomon about how lethal all these crimes that have been committed against Americans, really brutal stuff from illegal immigrants, and well, it has and, to stop. And Mark Burnovich catalogs, as it relates to Arizona, in his opinion. So it's an important consideration for him as an attorney general, and people should understand, I, you know, don't let me assume too much here, Sandy, as I was an attorney general. When an attorney general issues an opinion, don't, don't, don't mistake the word opinion. It's not Mark Bernovich's personal opinion. It's not what he wants. It's what he, based on research and analysis, has concluded the Constitution says and what it actually means. And, and I'm sure he has had to do like I did. I issued about 400 opinions as Virginia's attorney general. And there were some times when the legal opinions I had to issue because it was right um, weren't consistent with my own policy preferences. Um, because my the, the question isn't what is Ken like? The question is what does the law say? And that's what this opinion is. So let's let's everybody should understand that. That this is Mark Brnovich's best estimation of what the law really Madison would tell us, you know, if he were here to speak, and he yeah. he figures prominently in Attorney General Bernovich's opinion. But it also took courage on Bernovich's part to do this. This is a hot topic. It's a difficult one. He's got his own election to run, and in this case, he's running for the U.S. Senate in Arizona. And um, and this, you know, he's going to take heat for issuing this. And what some AGs do when they don't like when they're uncomfortable with a subject, they just delay. Sandy, they just delay. And he didn't do that. He issued the opinion. He put it out there and he'll, you know, people who don't like it will aim their loathing at him, even though all it is about is what the law is. Wow, that's really interesting. I did not know he was running for Senate. So that's another twist on this. And also, I want to give a shout out to to Representative Jake Hoffman, mutual friend of ours. It's amazing, honestly, Ken, what, what, what one good man can really do. Jake has done so much in his short time serving there. And uh, and and so have you. Everywhere you've been, you've made your mark. And so a Jake shout out to you. Jake even managed to get banned from Twitter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know that he must be doing a good job, right? Yeah, that's exactly. All of my friends are either in jail or banned from Twitter. Twitter. So, uh, Ken, <laughs> Ken, thanks so much again, senior fellow for Center for Renewing America. It's great to talk to you, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Always a pleasure, Sandy. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, that's a cool update. <clears throat> Something to be encouraged about. Excuse me. And I want to go back, excuse me, I want to go back to this because, uh, to the Trudeau situation, because it is so very important. And let me remind you, we will put our information from this morning's show on Getter, our Getter account. You can find us easily. It's just under my name, Sandy Rios, and I think you can find it and you can get the information. I want to remind you that if you'd like to give to the Freedom Convoy in Canada, and uh, remember Canada Canadian officials now are threatening Americans. <laughs> They can't do anything to us. We don't live there. Thank goodness. But it's a givesendgo.com and Freedom Convoy 2022. I am absolutely going to donate to them. I can tell you already. Uh, and uh, then the second thing was the, um, which I just got off of, the, the Align Act 
We'll put that on. That's about the the voter bill that's coming up in New Mexico uh, that I don't have time to spell out, but it's very dangerous, and they're fast-tracking it. If you go to AlignAct, A-L-I-G-N-A-C-T dot com, and look for it. It's it's called it's too dangerous for Congress and worse for New Mexico. That's the the subtitle. All right, back to Justin Trudeau. Um, I was telling you the story about this article that's in Breitbart, but it's actually the information comes from a book uh, by Peter Schweitzer, and uh, it's tracking the relationship between Justin Trudeau and his father and Red China. Uh, and I told you that his father wrote a book uh, after going to China in 1960 th- praising Mao Zedong, the murderous communist ruler who killed millions of his own people, and wrote a book called Two Innocents in Red China, bragging about how effective uh, Mao Zedong was and how, how wonderful things were there. And so to bring it full circle back to Justin Trudeau, uh, they, he, Justin Trudeau, let me make sure I get this right because it's either him or his brother or both of them, uh, they started publishing books in China, Justin and his brother. And so a Chinese state-owned publisher released a Chinese version of the younger Trudeau's memory, memoirs, and that's uh, Pierre, Justin's dad. The legend continues in 2016. Uh, curiously, some of Trudeau's national security aides were not even aware that the rights to his memoir had been sold to Beijing. Uh, After being contacted by the media, Trudeau's aides would later explain that all profits from the book were going to the Red Cross, but the Globe and Mail newspaper could not confirm that claim with either the publisher or the Red Cross. Trudeau's brother and foreign policy advisor Alexander entered the family business of publishing books in China in 2016, the year after Justin became prime minister. Barbarian Lost, Travels in the New China, that's a new book, was largely sold as an update to Two Innocents in Red China. That's the book by their father. At the time of its release, Schweitzer documents, Alexander used the book to compare the West unfavorably to the rule of the repressive Communist Party, asserting, I now look at our own freedoms with a little more circumspection and consider some of the irresponsible nature of some of the freedoms we enjoy. Will that give you a better idea of Justin Trudeau's view of Canadian citizens, the truckers out on the street? He he was raised by someone who loved Mao Zedong and uh, did business with the Chinese for decades. And so that is, you know, he's right when he says, my family has historical ties with China, and they certainly do, and not in a good way. All right, there's more to say. There always is. Uh, just lots of information. I hope uh, help, helpful and valuable to you that we'll share on the other side of the break. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute. No way. There's a way. The Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. 
The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Professors Jonas Herbie, Lars Junning, and Steve Hankey have just published a new study for the Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics that provided a systematic review and meta-analysis as to whether there is empirical evidence to support the belief that lockdowns reduce COVID-19 mortality. They concluded, lockdowns have had little to no public health effects, but they have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. If lockdowns don't and didn't save lives, why did we do them? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana, during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Last week, in a searing hour-long interview, a serving combat veteran Marine officer identified only as Paul told me about the destruction that is being inflicted upon our military by Biden's COVID-19 vaccination mandates, ideological purges, and other policies. The resulting enduring damage to the armed forces has become even more obvious with the revelation that the Pentagon leadership is now taking steps to conceal evidence of the physical harm tied to experimental gene therapies it has inflicted on our troops. As conservative reviews brilliant Daniel Hor- Horowitz has documented shocking data recently given Senator Ron Johnson by three Defense Department whistleblowers has been deceptively altered. The culture of the military and the servicemen and women's confidence in their superiors are essential to readiness and deterrence. We risk breaking both irreparably. God help us if we let that happen, as our enemies won't. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Let's be blunt. The so-called trusted digital identity bill represents a watershed moment in Australian history. We stand at the divide between a free personal enterprise future and a digital surveillance age. If nothing is done to stop this bill, government will sit in the middle of every interaction Australians have with each other and with the world. And it achieves this in the same way China does, by creating a digital identity that forms a central part of a person's life. You can call it a license to live. 
What began with COVID contact tracing, vaccine passports and QR check-ins will soon be formalised by an inescapable digital identity. It signals the complete end of consumer privacy, the end of citizen anonymity and the beginning of a big brother digital age that treats the people of Australia as products rather than free human beings. The government intends to build a complete digital record of every Australian to be shared and used. Our medical history, our shopping preferences, who we associate with, whether our choices are really so-called green, social security, veteran services, travel records, website viewing, employment status, and social media comments. Everything will go on the record and be available to any large corporation that can pay for access. All of this orchestrated by a federal liberal nationals government who proudly but distortingly call it a human-centric digital identity. That was Malcolm Roberts of Australia, and I played that for you yesterday. wanted to repeat it because Australia is going through that same, uh, the same thing Canada is going through, same but different, and that is this uh, morphing into uh, being governed like China. China has been all over Australia, and of course China has, this, has digitized everything and is controlling and surveilling everyone, everyone, about everything. Uh, there's a move, by the way, in this country to establish, again, a national ID, but, you know, that's so they can track you, centralize your medical records, centralize everything you do, just like China does. It's a worldwide movement, and I, I mention it in this context because that is why, if you wonder about the Canadian truckers, they understand that. You know, I've often told you many times lately that truckers pay a lot of attention they listen to a lot of news. I have found them to be some of the best-informed Americans that ever call the show. And so don't be surprised that Canadian truckers are listening, too, and that they know a lot more, probably than, probably the members of their parliament, uh, So about, uh, about the loss of freedoms and what it means. And so when they talk about freedom, they're talking about a broader thing than just not being vaccinated or forced vaccinations. That's part of it. That's kind of, that's the, the probably the epicenter, because that's so invasive and potentially dangerous and harmful to people. And to be forced to do that is just against humanity. It really is. And that's enough to fight right there. But it's a broader spectrum of problems. And let me just say that these trucker protests are spreading throughout the entire world. Let me just give you an idea. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Well, a a Facebook page started in the United States. They had 140,000 people when Facebook dropped them. Now, listen, I could report that and quickly move on, but let me just mark that. This is what's happening. In case you've missed it, they are gradually squeezing off information to people like you and me. They are actively trying to shut down any kind of exchange of ideas, your ability to give uh, to people in Canada, the truckers expressing their views, the ability of people in Canada to give them food and water and help them, you know, uh, in their efforts. They're trying to shut down and stop. It's the totalitarian movement uh, worldwide, and it's happening all over. So Facebook now has done their part, and they've shut down the convoy to D.C. 2022. But they've moved themselves to another platform. I think it's Signal. And it looks like there's going to be, um, they're going to have a big march, uh, march, huh, a big truck uh, roll, so a truck roll, I'll say that, to Washington, D.C., and probably stay tuned for more of that. Uh, Canada, by the way, has inspired the entire world to stand up. So says uh, uh, a gentleman, his last name is Braze. He's the uh, head of the uh, American effort on this. 
He has a last name, but when they get into news articles, they just start using the last name so that I'm stuck. But it's uh, expanding to Finland and Switzerland, Norway, Germany, the UK, Australia. A thousand people have gathered near the Parliament House in Canberra, which is Australia, to protest the COVID-19 vaccine mandate and other pandemic restrictions. And in New Zealand, truckers are doing the same thing. So uh, in Dublin, in uh, Holland, uh, and uh, in the Netherlands, uh, uh, so it's just amazing. Uh, So uh, it is a movement. It's worldwide. I don't know, you know, can we prevail? I don't know, because the totalitarians have the government power. They have the military. You see what they're doing with the police in Canada. And so, um, and you see what's happening with us about how our military is being purged of patriots. Really, it is very blatantly. Uh, and police probably under the same kind of pressure. So we're just, we are holding on and fighting back. And that's all we can do right now. This is a, a kind of a perspective that I wanted to share with you from a man named Mark Andreessen. And I don't know who actually know Mark. Um, but this is what he wrote, and it caught my eye because I've had some uh, because I was in Cambodia and have a bit of knowledge about Cambodia. Um, yeah, let me just say that Cambodia, after the, we the Americans pulled out of um, Vietnam, the Khmer Rouge entered Cambodia, and that Khmer that means the red uh, the uh, the red Rouge means red, so they were the Reds, and the people thought they were delivering them from the wartime travails that they had. They greeted them on the on the famous street with gifts and hugs. But the Khmer Rouge, who were Cambodian, marched into Cambodia and started the most incredible slaughter of humanity that you can imagine. And if you've seen the pictures of the stacks of the skulls, um, uh, it, 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 the S-21 prison, oh gosh, it marked me for life, honestly, the things I saw, because Cambodia's... Um, uh, remnants of this totalitarian murder uh, are not scrubbed up. Like when I went into the S-21 prison, you could see still see the blood stains on the floor. Um, and it's it's horrific what they did to their own people. So let me, with that as the backdrop, let me uh, read this. Year Zero, and that's in quotes, is an idea put into practice by Paul Pot, and he was the head of the Khmer Rouge, that all culture and traditions within a society must be completely destroyed or discarded. And a new revolutionary culture must replace it, starting from scratch. In this sense, all of the history of a nation or people before year zero would be largely deemed irrelevant because it would ideally be purged and replaced from the ground up. Now, why is that relevant to our discussion? Remember that the left wants to purge this whole notion of being uh, nationalistic, patriotic, waving your flag, has become anathema. And that's because the root of this is the left wants to purge Every culture of its memory, its identity, that's what the the Russian communists is, the communists in um, China did, the uniforms, the military, just purging the history, the music, all of it uh, becomes militaristic. At least that's what they did in Russia and China. Maybe there's some other version in some other land, but uh, but they want to get rid of anything that holds you to the past. Wipe it out. Forget it. Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, most of whom were French-educated communists, took inspiration from the concept of year one, in the French Revolutionary calendar, calendar. During the French Revolution, after the abolition of the French monarchy on 20 September 1792, Paul Pot declared the nation would start again at year zero, and everything that existed before year zero was to be eradicated. eradicated. This was to be a complete and thorough reset of Cambodian society. Knowledge of anything pre-zero year was prohibited to ensure that there was no recorded memory of a pre-zero year society books were burned. So-called new people 
were thought to be a threat to the new regime and were therefore especially singled out and executed during the purges accompanying Year Zero. Year Zero was rapidly followed by a series of revolutionary deindustrialization policies, which resulted in a death toll that vastly exceeded the toll that resulted from the French reign of terror. Like, it's like what we're seeing. It's like, not the same, but like. Very, very distressing. And you just need to be aware of what's happening around us. And, of course, right now we have the Olympic Games going on in China. We have Mike Waltz, who's put forth this ad. I won't replay it again, but it's a powerful ad. I said ABC yesterday. It's NBC. It's carrying the Olympics. And um, in the ad that Mike Waltz uh, has put forth that was refused by NBC, they call, they, shout, they do a shout-out to Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, a shout-out against, I should say, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, and San Francisco-based Visa uh, for spon- sponsoring the Beijing Games. And uh, Waltz said, at the end of the day, NBC is doing the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party, and all of these companies that preach social justice here at home are turning a blind eye to it. And he's right about that. So um, remember, as you are hearing or watching anything about it, that we somehow we've gotten into this tangle with uh, China through our business interests. Listen, didn't it? This, I could just go back and remind you uh, that the old open borders concept pushed by Bush, Bush Sr., that was the first time I'd heard of it, George Herbert Walker Bush, open borders, and uh, that um, capitalism uh, should be done, you know, regardless of borders and regardless of policies and politics. And that's what's gotten us into this. It's not just George Herbert Walker Bush, no, but it's the uh, the capture of the hearts of the the capitalist mind, the desire to make money and get ahead. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the perversion of it. When you lose all your ideals and you do anything in order to make money and to enrich yourself, that is crony capitalism, and that's the kind that's wicked, and that's what's overtaken us. So these companies don't care. They don't care, and so they're doing business. They've made uh, their wealth in China, and I think how short-sighted because, you know, all of these executives of these companies for the last 20 years plus have children and grandchildren that will have to live in the country that they have left. And all of the wealth, you know, will not make up for the oppression and it's going to come to death. It is. There will be bloodshed. I'm not sure how it's going to start, if it's going to start in the streets, if it's going to happen with the totalitarians cracking down as they are in Canada and as they have here on our January 6th uh, uh, people that went to the Capitol. Uh, but it, there will be bloodshed. I, I, so I want to go back to the, um, to the mandates for a second because I want to give a shout-out to Chip Roy again and to the 49 Republicans who are pledging to shut down the government over the federal vaccine mandates. And I want to ask you to call your congressman and tell them to support uh, this uh, this whole effort to shut Just shut it down. Who cares? Federal workers are staying home anyway. They're not working. D.C. has just shut down. They've been drawing a paycheck for nearly two years for doing practically nothing. And that's the truth. We don't really, we could shut down the federal government and live better. I'm telling you. That's an overstatement. I know. But do you need the FBI out on the streets? Just asking. Do you need the Justice Department? I mean, they won't be shut down, to be clear. But I'm just asking you rhetorically. Do we need the thousands and thousands of federal workers who are really, uh, most for the most part, not exclusively, but thousands of them are enemies of this country, enemies of freedom. They are completely uh, brainwashed into the totalitarian mindset of Washington, D.C. 
So let's shut it down. Let's shut it down and stop the mandates. And that's what Chip Roy is trying to do. And uh, I would suggest you call your congressman and tell them to uh, join this effort uh, to defund the federal mandates. Okay, so uh, this is another one that's going to take some time. But I'm going to try to get it in anyway because it's important. Vice President Pence, I told you last week that Vice President Pence is not who many of you thought he was. Uh, It's uh, recounted in an article by Emerald Robinson called The Treachery of VP Mike Pence Explained. Uh, We will put that on our uh, getter page one more time in case you missed that because it's pretty upsetting. It goes into great detail. It is what I've viewed with my own eyes. I've seen this, just had never really spoken as bluntly in public about it. And so last week, uh, Mike Pence spoke at... um, the Federalist Society, which is supposedly the conservative law uh, outlet, although it has been changing, I have to tell you. I'm not saying it's totally over the line, but it's getting close to that line. And so uh, Vice President Pence spoke to them, and uh, this is what you're going to hear what he had to say, and you're going to hear the commentary uh, by um, Steve um, uh, Steve Bannon following it. Let's listen. This week, the President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. All right, let me cut in before Steve comes in, because I want to say this. Um, What just happened is that Mike did a twist on us. the idea was not that Mike Pence overturned the election in that moment. The, at, the question was, would he please delay? Because uh, governors from various states, uh, Pennsylvania and other states, had there was a lot of problems with their electoral vote decisions, and they wanted just to buy a little bit more time. That's all it was. It wasn't that Mike Pence was going to decide who the president was, and, and there was no constitutional clear-cut answer as to whether he could do that or could do could not do that. There was a difference of opinion. So this is a false claim, and I can tell you he's putting his hat in the ring, and uh, lots of people are coming up to uh, in, to support him, and you can tell who's not going to support President Trump. More to say about that. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.